next stop, the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, you know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that say they gon' beat them Saints? They a lie. They can try, but in the don't we know they ain't. Let's go. We on the road. The next stop, the Super Bowl. Who that? And welcome back to Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as always, Brendan Ertle. Today, I'm here with my co-host, Chris. We're going to be talking about uh, Falcons Hate Week and all the good stuff that comes with it. But before we get into this, uh, Chris, do you celebrate Falcons Hate Week? And if you do, uh, how, how do you celebrate? Man, you know, um, I, I think that it, it, it's a religious experience. Like you, you can't be a Saints fan and not celebrate Falcons Hate Week. So, you know, for me, um, I normally started off by watching uh, the game in 06 you know, the, uh, the Gleason punt game, you know, watch me a couple of double reverses, uh, you know, go through some highlights of Drew Brees spin or two, you know, and then, and, and then Sunday, man, it's time to eat a bird, man. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just in case the saints don't come through and destroy the Falcons, you know, I get me the biggest, you know, Turkey that I can fucking find. <laughs> and, you know, we going to feast one way or another. Cause I don't know if you can buy a Falcon in store. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how I celebrate it. Well, the Falcons posted something on their Twitter about Drew Brees throwing the interception to uh, Debo way back when. I, it's like so long ago. And the Saints counter with a good five to ten minute highlight of just all the good things that's happened. So it's like they got nothing on us. And uh, especially recently, the Saints have had the Falcons number uh, just all over, whether it be on Thanksgiving or Cam Jordan all of a sudden becoming – like the best DN in the league against this team. So uh, we'll get in that in just a second. We have some uh, chores to get over and something I don't want to talk about. But we have to uh, haven't addressed it on this podcast yet, but Michael Thomas uh, is out for the year and yeah. it sucks. It really sucks ass. I mean, I'll be honest. I have a Michael Thomas post right behind me, my favorite yeah. player, but I'm just going to be unbiased from here on out. Uh, it sucks. I was really expecting uh, him to return this week at some point. But if you really listen closely, it didn't really sound uh, all that good. And as a New Orleans fan in general, it's just frustrating because we have Michael Thomas, Zion Williamson, foot injuries, and a lot of question there. So it just sucks. And moving forward, uh, what do you do? I mean, I am going to be completely unbiased. I've seen lots of things like, oh, let's trade Michael Thomas and whatnot. Uh, I I wouldn't go that far because he's still the best wide receiver Um Maybe not right now, but look two years ago, he's got the most receptions ever. Um, I don't trade him. If a team calls and offers their whole freaking draft, I mean, go for it. But I'm not going to be actively shopping Michael Thomas. Um, if you compare him with a really good guy, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. If, we, if you compare him with someone else next year, if you're trying to go after uh, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, maybe you do try to trade him to get some picks. But I'm not going to trade him just because he got hurt two years. I mean, it's unlucky. And it, the, the play he got hurt on was when the they had an 11-point lead in the Bucks and you just get rolled up on. It's not like they were trying to run up the score. They were trying to run the clock out. So, really a freak injury. But Michael Thomas out for the year. Well, look, man, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate. As you mentioned, we all were just, you know, you were just waiting with – um, and it, it's all compiled. I mean, it's another situation of just bad, bad luck, bad timing, right? Um, between, and this is before Jameis, Jameis gets hurt. You're just waiting for this receiving corp to finally get healthy. 
and add their biggest chess piece. You know, the you know the the one guy that can that can handle his own and gets elite cornerbacks and you know press man and off man like zone. I mean, he has it all, almost every route in the tree. Um, and you got a chance to you know to more than likely see him as close to 100% healthy as he would be around this time. And um, yeah, man, it, it's it's really unfortunate because you know that's a that's a loss that you know, this offense, while they've been able to, you know, to get through throughout the year, I think as the season progresses and if they have any true deep playoff aspirations, you know, they're going to miss at some point, right? But um, as always, you know, it's it's next man up. They have to, they're going to have to find a way to move forward and get contributions in other areas. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, in, in, in regards to the trade talk, man, I mean, Look, I mean, the organization has a has a tendency that if they make trades like this, especially with position players, you know, they do it nine times out of ten when a player's value is high, or they already draft their replacement. And I and I just don't see at this point Sean, you know, using a high draft pick on a receiver. I don't see Mickey and Jeff really doing that with the success that they've had. Finding guys that they like undrafted and at the bottom of drafts. I I just Brandon Cooks didn't work out. You had to end up trading him. Uh, some parts of the Michael Thomas relationship has been has been rocky. Um, his value isn't at his highest, and it's not like you're going to get a, a bunch back for a guy that, I mean, let's be honest, hasn't been at his peak due to injury in a couple years now, right? So, um, you know, I'd say you'd be better off going the, you know, keeping Thomas and doing what the Saints have been trying to do as of recent time and what New England has done so well, get talented players that, you know, to add to your team, that have something to prove, even if they're a veteran and their value is a little bit murky, which is why you're talking about pairing him with someone like an Odell Beckham Jr. or somewhat. Well, if you go, you know, Brandon Cooks, that's what the Saints should probably end up doing. And I mean, it's unfortunate because again, if Jameis Winston doesn't get hurt, maybe they pay close to what Cleveland wants or they do enough to where a deal is completed and maybe we're having a different discussion right now. Yeah, that's what sucks is uh, we, we, we were kind of, offensively waiting for Michael Thomas to get back. And Jameis, I thought, was, was doing a great job of just managing. And it was, let's just get by till Michael Thomas gets back at some point. And he, obviously, we won't get either of those guys with Jameis and Michael out for the year. So, I mean, going forward, that puts Jameis's next stint with the Saints in total question. It's like, did he do enough to get a big contract or just a decent contract? because I know they're going to be shooting for the stars come this offseason. So it really sucks that he got hurt. And we haven't really seen him in two years. And uh, the only two years we've seen from him is him just trying to fight through an injury, punching CJ in the face, just all these things that don't build a good relationship, especially with the media. So uh, won't see him for till next year, which really, really sucks. But that adds the question, uh, the trade deadline, which was Tuesday. Uh, we're past that, and the Saints have not Iowa receiver. So the question is, why didn't they? So Nick Underhill was reporting that uh, they did reach out to the Browns for Odell, and they did speak to the Giants for Darius Slayton. Obviously, they didn't get either of those. Um, and I could tell Saints fans are like, it's another offseason where it's like we didn't get someone we rumored to get. Uh, this might be a little different of an offseason just because the circumstances are happening. But do you think, I mean, this is, a really hypothetical question. Do you think the Saints maybe were a little stingy on their picks because maybe this year they think we need our picks to go get a franchise quarterback? Or are they just, uh, you know, the Saints always play by their price kind of thing? 
Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's two, two sides to this, to this uh, spectrum here. I think the first part is what you mentioned that they're going to try to save as many assets as they have to go and get a quarterback next year, more than likely, because you still have a team that's going to be in place. I think with the right, you know, quarterback in play to have an opportunity to, to win a Super Bowl next year. I mean, it's, it's crazy how long this window has been able to stay open, right? But I think that they they proved this year and with some of the other moves that they made and what Mickey's been able to do and some of the the players that they've drafted that are kind of sitting in the wings or they have gonna have a chance to develop and maybe step into bigger roles next season. Um, they'll have flexibility to move some players if they have to pick so on and so forth and still be a really competitive team and maybe over the top once they add an elite quarterback. And I think that's the road that they would end up going. So that's that's one part of it. And whether that's Aaron Rodgers or whether that's Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, I mean, whatever whatever route that is, I do think that that plays in the, into um, part of this. But I think the other side of it is may, either A, they knew that Michael Thomas was going to be out for the year. And you really, considering Jameis, considering Jameis was out for the year and you still, you don't know a hundred percent what you're going to get out of the quarterbacks that you use, whether it's Taysom or Trevor Simeon or both of them, you know, do you trade for one, do you trade a high pick for one receiver, a skill position that's going to have to take some time to learn the offense and get, and find some comfortable. And you, I mean, if you're unsure what you're having at quarterback, if you, if you think you're only going to get average to below average to, some games, you know, above average play doesn't make sense to trade for a big name, give up something that can be used for next season for, you know, a situation that, you know, this Odell put them in a, this Odell put them over the top. I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know yet what this team is. We have to, we're going to have to see this next step, this next, uh, these next few weeks, depending on, you know, how they play with these new guys, you know, set up. So it's just, it's just tough, especially if, if you don't know that, a move like that, if you make a move like that, it's going to put you over the top. If it's going to make you feel very comfortable about being a Super Bowl contender, then why not just wait until the offseason when the price will probably drop or wait until maybe a few days when Odell is cut and then go sign him at a, you know, without having to, you know, sacrifice draft picks or players or anything like that. So it's a weird spot. I think if Jameis was healthy, maybe they make the move because of, because of what he's done missing so many guys the offensive line's gotten healthy your defense has been amazing maybe you think at that point okay now we're a team that can maybe win a super bowl um or compete with the best teams in the conference um we don't know if they're going to be able to do that with what they have now you know if they if this would happen week four maybe we're having a different discussion but right at the trade deadline it just makes it way too complicated to make such a a move like that depending on what cleveland was asking for a second or third round pick or it just, you know, you wait it out and hopefully hopefully you can get it done with the guys you have or maybe Cleveland cuts. Yeah, absolutely. And the timing when Jameis got hurt, you're right. It's it's such a punch to the gut because it was like, okay, now you got Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. Will they win a Super Bowl with either of those guys? I mean, probably not. I mean, they're a Brink wildcard team that could potentially uh, take you to the divisional round if, if ha- having a good game or whatnot. But you look at old Super Bowl quarterbacks. I mean, even Joe Flacco was a was a quality starter. It's not like Trevor Simeon's ever taken anyone to to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just not realistic. And it's 
it sucks because it feels like this team's got a ton of freaking talent. And I think you don't tank. I mean, don't do any of that. But like you said, save your save your draft picks, uh, maybe save your money for next year and just see how far you can get with this team. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Odell. And if they do want to get better at receiver, I mean, they still can. I mean, this is a really, really odd situation. Uh, Deshaun Jackson just cleared waivers, so he's he's a free agent. So at worst, you can look at a guy like that who uh, won't, definitely won't hurt your offense, and uh, for this offense especially. But Odell, these rumors are are insane, and it feels like it's kind of surreal a little bit because all Saints fans love Odell, uh, the hometown legend. So let's talk about that a little bit. And the situation there in Cleveland, I'm not, I don't cover the Browns or anything, and I don't know anyone who does, but uh, I have a friend who's really close to them. And the situation is not great, and it's looking like it's going to come to an end. That relationship is so far gone that I would be surprised if he ever plays it down for them again. And we've seen Brown supporters say it's likely he never plays for us again. Uh, his coach told him to go home and Odell's locked in. Obviously his dad posted uh, a highlight tape of Baker Mayfield missing him. So it's just a disaster there. So if he were to be cut because it's after the trade line, deadline, he would be put on waivers, which I, the saints cannot, claim him on waivers because that would keep his current contract which is like eight million this year 10 next year and then like 15 and they just don't have that the, the saints have barely have a million in cap space so um deshaun cleared waivers with a two million dollar cap hit and that just shows you teams know that no one's going to claim him so if odell was cut i'm sure he would clear waivers and i think the saints would be the top of his list not necessarily just because um he's from there or whatnot i think it's just because he hasn't been used correctly in a really, really long time. And it's felt like that. And Cleveland's using him as kind of a flanker receiver. He's got speed, but he's, he doesn't like that. He likes to have the ball in his hands. He likes to have five, 10 receptions a game, throw him a screen pass, see what he can do because he's really a game changer with the ball in his hands. And uh, you know, Sean Payton, whether it's Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, that he will get him the ball. It does not matter. And I know we don't have Tom Brady, but uh, Baker Mayfield wasn't even hitting him. So it's like, uh, if if we had Jameis here, it would have been a completely different story. It felt like that could have put Jameis over the edge. But you add a guy like Odell, he hasn't even been cut yet. I'm just I'm just assuming it's a real shot if he gets cut that he could come here. I mean, look at the other places. Maybe uh the Raiders. The Raiders have been mentioned. Uh, Jordan Schultz says the top two people, the top two teams are interested: the Saints and the Raiders. Uh, if you're Odell, what team do you pick? I mean. Trevor Simeon, not looking great for this year, but maybe you sign a two, three-year deal and stay here for a little bit. And John's like, hey, I mean, we'll get you the ball. We'll revive your career, and we're going to try and turn this thing around next year as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think for, for Odell right now, it's about fit. You know, he's had to humble himself um, a lot since going to Cleveland. Uh, he watched the team in his first year struggle, lose a lot of close games some frustration, but for the most part, kept it together. Couldn't really, didn't really have, couldn't build that chemistry with Baker. And then last year, complete opposite happened. You know, Cleveland, they win a few games, lose a few games, but they start to get hot once he's, once he's injured, right? But before he got hurt, he was playing pretty well. You know, they were finding him in the ways that, you know, that you're supposed to. They ran reverses, let him throw the ball. He ran the ball and, he, you know, they threw screens, slants, intermediate plays, um, and it was working for them. But he goes out, they simplify things a little bit more, and, 
you know, they end up making the playoffs and people think, oh, man, well, you know, you add Odell to that next year and it's going to work. Well, no matter if he was playing or not, it just hasn't worked for Cleveland this year. Um, so, but at the end of the day, if it's anyone that knows how to deal with talented people, with egos, with you're trying you know, not to say different, diva. I know you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different, different kind of personality types. It's Sean. They've seen it all. We see it every locker room, every in the locker room after every game. It's a mixture of them. But the good part about New Orleans is that they have so many veteran leaders that are that are just there, right? That to when you walk through those doors, like the Saints have become one of those one of those places to where you just walk in a building and there's a level of respect that you're showing to people just because you know what you're walking into. They've established themselves. Odell, I mean, there was there was a tweet earlier in which when uh, when uh, Emmanuel Sanders signed with New Orleans, he was one of the first people to comment like, yo, man, this, you know, Sean and Sean and Drew been running, you know, the best system, you know, in the game right now. You don't think he wants to be a part of that? Now, he would have to think long term, you know, and I think that's something that they would tell him. But if he wants to play football, you know, he gets to be, you know, he gets to be back back in front of, you know, uh, you know, in front of a bunch of people that loved him from college, his home. Um, and in a situation where he could be playing some important games down the stretch, he's going to be, I mean, oh, I mean make no mistake about it. If you think he's lost a step or not, he, he's number one in New Orleans the minute he walks in. It, oh, there's, yeah. there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I think that Sean has gotten to a point to where he's realized how to use guys. He's realized how to make the most out of whatever someone can do. That player just has to buy in and be happy with it. It didn't work for a guy like Adrian Peterson, right? Because Adrian had never really been a part of a three-back stable, right? Or, or you know, or sharing. It just he, he's a guy that was used to something different. And you compound losing with that, and it makes it, it makes it 10 times worse. That's the thing with wide receivers like that. No matter who you point at, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, whatever, it's not just that they want the football. They want to win too, and if they mm-hmm. and, and if they if they don't win and they're not getting the football, well, it's gonna be a problem because they're gonna think, well, damn, if I would have got the football, maybe we would have won, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's really what it comes down to. The Saints have had situations where no one's gotten the football this year and they <laughs> win the game. <laughs> so different <laughs> story, here, man. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a really good problem to have, and I I think if Adele was here, I mean, he still has to be cut. Uh, he would become the automatic one i mean there's not even a question about it and it would take so much pressure off everyone uh and i i really been impressed i mean we'll talk about in a second depending on who the next quarterback is it could be different how they use him but trevor Simeon, i was really impressed uh with this short game and that's kind of something that he hasn't been used a bunch about but he wasn't i mean look at cleveland's schedule they're not on pace to make the playoffs they're a, a loss away from becoming the last in the division it's not like – I mean, they had Super Bowl hopes this year. It's not like they got a ton going for them. Um, so we'll just see about that. I don't want to get too far into that because, I mean, I say he gets cut, and next thing you know, they repair the relationship and he's back. So I'll just yeah. I'll just let that, that situation play out. But let's talk about this football game and uh, this injury report. It, I think this was the best news of the week because it was a really, really hard-fought game, and I was, I was getting really nervous. Like, oh, gosh, who's going to be in the injury report this week that – uh, got banged up this week, but it's actually pretty good for today, uh, Thursday. That is uh, the two players that did not practice are Carl Granderson and Ty Montgomery. So two two nice role player guys, but nothing insane. 
and limited was Malcolm Jenkins. Peyton Turner practiced again, and Teron Armstead was a little banged up. He practiced as well. Uh, and the, the main news is Taysom Hill was full, and Dwayne Washington was full. So they actually found a way to get healthier after this week, which blows my mind because after games like that, you never really know. So they're getting healthier, and they're facing a Falcons team that, I mean, is bad. Let's be honest. I mean, there's not a ton of offensive weapons. The defense is in shambles. Uh, Arthur Smith's already on the hot seat, and he just got here. So uh, going into this game, this is the, the Saints' first game in the Dome back-to-back. So you know they're going to want to bring the juice. And the main thing I want to highlight is Mark Ingram is 62 yards away from breaking the rushing record. So they want to do it in the Dome. Uh, I think they try to make that happen. But um, I, I think for the Saints, I, I, it's going to be so hard for me to make a, a, make a guess at quarterback. But my instinct tells me Taysom Hill, but I also think Trevor Simeon. But I'll pass it to you. Who do you think that start – who gets to start in um, – yeah, I mean, it's really hard. What, uh, I, based on what I know and based on what Sean – I'm reading through the lines of what Sean said, and I remember two comments that were made after the game. And the first one is – He's talking about Trevor and he's saying certain guys need a game plan to really make the best out of the, you know, out of situation. And some guys can just can be called cold and will come in and play really well. He said, Trevor just is one of Trevor's one of those guys. We feel comfortable with that playing him on the fly. Now it's clear that Taysom's going to be a big part of the game. But the other comment is that someone asked him like, basically, if James would have got hurt and Taysom was healthy, would Trevor still have played? And he said, yeah, right? Um, and that's not the first time we've seen that. We saw that back with, you know, with Teddy, right? He said, be, you know, because Taysom was going to have, you know, a uh, a utility role in the game plan. We didn't, you know, we we didn't want to, we wouldn't have wanted to change that. Um, I mean, so look, like, I think that, but then he said that, he said, but then next week Taysom would have been a starter that kind of tells me or that speaks to me that if Taysom's healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, there's still part of Sean. I think that wants to, that wants to give Taysom everything that they've tried to put together for each other. Right. What Taysom has had, what Taysom has wanted and what Sean has hoped he's been able to give him. Um, we, we know Taysom's limitations. You know, but he was able to win some games for them last year and surprise people with certain ways he was able to throw the football. Um, I mean, there's a there's a scenario available where Simeon starts and Taysom is running uh, the full, you know, is running his packages. But another another reason I think that Taysom's probably a starter because if something happens to Simeon, well, you're going from Simeon mm-hmm. to book. That's exactly what I was going to say. Right, you're going from Simeon to Book, and that at that point, that's all hell breaking news, right? You don't want to put that pressure on, on a rookie like that, no matter how high or smart you are on him. Versus if you start Taysom and Taysom goes out, and you get you, you know, you already seen Simeon enough to be able to trust him in that situation. So, so many parts of those of that spot just screams to me that Taysom's going to be the guy. Yeah, I, I literally was going to say the same thing because if people don't really understand, when Taysom is in that Joker role, he's in team meetings with other positions so he's missing out on like really important meetings with the quarterback so he, he wouldn't be prepared and you definitely don't want to put a quarterback out there that's not prepared 
And we saw last week, I mean, the Bucks are going after Simeon, and it only takes one ankle sprain to get Ian Book, a rookie, who probably isn't ready just on the field and Taysom would be in that Joker role. And the other thing is the Joker role has got Taysom really banged up. And even in college, every single year, he was having a season-ending injury. And since he's made it to the NFL, he's been been luckier with his injuries. So this has been kind of like the first main injury we've had. But we go back and look at Taysom last year. And those first three games, I want to say, two against the Falcons and then one in Denver where whatever, I mean – it was a disaster for them. Uh, he played pretty good. I mean, he won. He went 3-0, and he did everything he wanted him to do. But then you look at that Philadelphia game. If if Drew comes back a week early, I mean, we're looking at Taysom a whole lot different. We're, we're saying, like, yeah, he, he played pretty freaking well and uh, destroyed the Falcons twice and did the job against the Broncos. So, I mean, we're looking at a whole different situation. And in Philadelphia, just the whole team just did not show up to that game. So I, I think you do go Taysom. I think he brings more to the offense. Uh, in terms of his running. And I think if he uh, wants to be the guy for the rest of the year, he needs to start using his legs. I mean, I remember that was the thing last year. It's like, he's trying to be someone he's not. I mean, if nothing's there, take off, don't take a sack. Uh, and all of a sudden ball security was, a, was a big thing for him. His hand size, we were bringing up, I didn't even know about his, he had small hands out of nowhere. It's because he just, he's not used to getting hit like that. Taysom is best when he escapes the pocket and he is one-on-one with DBs and wide receivers or DBs and linebackers, and he can just destroy him. So I love to see him in that role and a full week of Sean Payton uh, scheming up this offense for Taysom. I think that'll um, be really successful, but he's not going to say till Sunday because the Falcons are going to have to prepare for both. And that just yeah. wastes time for them. Uh, but talking about preparing uh, offensively for the Falcons, two guys I want to talk about is Cord- Corderell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. How do you stop those guys? And with Malcolm Jenkins a little banged up, who do you put on Kyle Pitts? I can't foresee uh, Dennis Allen going, Bill Belichick, and putting, you know, and I remember how uh, if they were playing, if if the Patriots were playing, well, no, no, I'm no, I'm I'm mixing this up. Rob Ryan, that's not it either. Rex Ryan, there we go. <laughs> when the Patriots and the Jets would play, there was a period of time when Rebus was at his peak where they would put Rebus on Gronk, right? Uh, this is, I think, and this is like post-Randy post Moss, um, and that would be the matchup that they, would, that they would use and just they would, you know, trust that they could hold their own with the Edelmans and everyone else. Well, I, I could see a similar situation because if you shut down Kyle Pitts, I mean, there's nothing there, but I mean, I, I, unless you're worried about Gage, who I think was also questionable on the report for them, we know Coderell is going to be going to be very important. But one thing I'm interested with is that the way that Atlanta has been using Coderell, they'll line him up, and when he's out of the backfield, he's a threat on swing passes and circle routes, angle routes. I mean, between him and Pitts, you're looking at a, you're looking at spots where you can control the middle of the field if you are if you are Atlanta and you find matches that you like. Um, I think that you also could could bracket pits, even mm-hmm. even in the center of the field, have a safety and, you know, um, whether it be Marcus or, um, you know, PJ, if they're all your deep safeties and you're coming out like, you know, with three safeties on the field and a big nickel and uh, Malcolm is well, sometimes with him, it's four considering what Chauncey's at. But um, I, I really I, 
I really don't know. I, I, I don't think you, I think you keep everyone where they're at and you know, you just, you're putting your focus on those guys. You're making sure that whether it be Warner or whether it be Quan, they're keeping their eyes on Corderell if he's coming out of the backfield. And if not, Corderell's in a slot. Chauncey is, you know, I, I like my eyes with Chauncey against Corderell than I do maybe a shorter, quicker, quicker type of receiver, that type of spot. But in Pitts, I think you have to be, you have to be physical with him at the line and make sure that your safety over the top, whether it's Marcus, whether it's Malcolm, whether it's PJ, are keeping their eyes on him um, as he's getting up the field, because you know he's going to be a big part of what they want to do. Um, I went back and forth if, if it made sense to put Marshawn on pitch, but um, I do believe enough in Atlanta and Matt Ryan to find ways to still move the football. Um, but I don't know if I'm scared, if, if, if I'm worried enough or if I feel like the situation where I want to move Marshawn out of his comfort zone and, you know, put him inside and take away snaps or take away situations from other folks, unless Atlanta's going to turn him into an X receiver, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, I I completely agree. I forget the exact quote, but Cam Jordan, when explaining Kyle Pitts, he said he's got a lot of mass, but no ass. Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver. In my opinion, you treat him as a wide receiver, you treat him as a giant wide receiver, uh, it's not like he's a Gronk where he's super big and uh, going to go on uh, three-tech and block you as a DN. Yeah. He's not like that. He's going to be staying up. He's going to be treated as wide receiver. So I think you treat him as that. I don't think you have anyone follow him necessarily. Um, in years past, we, in preparing for this game, the Atlanta game, you got to worry about Julio. You got to worry about Calvin Ridley. I mean, they don't have either of those guys. So uh, the next up is Russell Gage. And he's had his success against us, but that's being wide receiver three. So I think you put Marshawn and whoever you want, basically. And uh, what they did last game with uh, Marshawn and Mike Evans was if Mike Evans isn't on Marshawn, he wasn't, he wouldn't fall him. They would just bracket coverage him and kind of double him in a way. So if you don't feel safe, maybe Chauncey one-on-one, Put, just put DeMario right there as well. Just bracket him and make it a, a challenge for them to throw to Kyle Pitts. Because you look at the rest of the field, there's not a ton of weapons for them. Uh, Corral Patterson yep. obviously is a player that can do something out of nothing. But receiving-wise, uh, I don't think Russell Gage can just beat you man-on-man with Marshawn Lattimore especially. Uh, Matt Ryan has had his struggles. having my fantasy team. I don't know why. He's definitely he's, uh, not been good for me. So I don't know why I picked him up in the first place, but I mean, that brings up the next question. Uh, obviously the the Falcons scored 13 points last week against the Carolina Panthers and they did not look good. I was watching that game. They did not look good yeah. uh, for the saints. The, the model here on out is uh, can they score more than 20, 25 points and outscore their opponent? Because the defense, you know, is going to show up every single week. And the one week it doesn't uh, like the giants game, is they lost they just couldn't keep up offensively so can the offense stay strata shy with this with the with the Atlanta offense I think they can especially being at home uh Sean Payton will always find a way to score uh he found a way to score 26 points out of nowhere with Trevor Simeon against the Atlanta defense so or against the Bucks defense so uh and and the Atlanta defense it's 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 a it's a mess I, I think it's a strength that the Saints if they wanted to run uh, like they did against the Buffalo Bills a few years ago in Buffalo and just run it every single time, I think they could have success. I mean, honestly, uh, 
you got Mark Ingram again, and he didn't really have much of a role last week, probably just because he got there midweek and uh, had to catch him up in a few things. So I expect to see a big dose of Mark Ingram and definitely trying to give him that record this week. But uh, you'll see three, four powers, Taysom powers over and over again, and maybe even more than that. So we'll have to see what the receiving game looks like, but I don't know if we'll have that big of an impact. I expect to see like a, a 100 to 150 yard game for Taysom or something like that. It's just kind of how he played last year. And I mean, it worked. If the defense can limit Matt Ryan in the offense, I don't think they'll have any problem uh, winning this game and winning the next game against them. So um, unless something bad, really something really bad happens on defense, um, I think you'll be fine with Pitts. And something else I wanted to add was I would not put Malcolm Jenkins on Pitts. I've seen this uh, a few times. I, I think he's a really good matchup for like a Gronk, or maybe like a uh, someone bigger, heavier uh, tight ends. Yeah, heavier tight ends because you look at last year against the Raiders. I mean, Darren Waller just had a field day, and he was a big reason mm-hmm. why they won. And I don't think that's a good matchup for for Malcolm just because Cal Pitts is a freaking wide receiver. So uh, Sunday will be really interesting. Crazy things always happen in this matchup. But um, yeah, it's Falcon State weekend. I'm enjoying it. Anything you want to add before we head out? No, man. Um, I just um, I look forward to I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said, man. I think that considering the Falcons aren't haven't been really good against the run this year. Um, I think it would be a perfect time for the Sage to um, unleash Mark and, you know, and Alvin and Taysom. It's just if if Taysom's a starter, it just adds too much for a team to have to game plan against, especially if you're on the other side of the football and you're playing a a defense that's getting healthier um, that's will be arguably at its healthiest. I think that we've seen all year now. I mean mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, I, I really look forward to, to, to some of the things the Saints can throw at Atlanta and um, some cases I'd be worried about a letdown, but after such a big emotional win, but not in the case where you had tragedy and crisis strike, um, during the win and you've had to kind of figure it out afterwards. So I think the guys will be focused and they'll come out with a win. Yeah. This might be the first week that we have Peyton Turner, Davenport and Cam Jordan play for the first time all year. So that's exciting itself, but uh, we'll come at you guys after this game uh, versus Atlanta. We have the breakdown and hopefully it's a nicely joined game. We can talk about Mark Ingram uh, getting his nice uh, name in the stands for all time leading rusher after this game. All right, guys, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next episode. Who dat? Hey, who dat? 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 Let's go! Let's go!